Yummy Up This Week, off screen. Leonardo DiCaprio is The Revenants. Craig Fairbrass has a breakdown. We tour Brie Larson's room. Michael B. Jordan is the next generation of Creed. And Jackie Chan wields a dragon blade. All those to come and more, off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Conner. My name is Case Allen. So we've got a bit of a, a mixed bag coming up this week then. A we do. A full bag, we, we shall say. We have boxers and bears. Boxers and bears. We've got some heavy Brie hitters. Larson's. We have got some heavy hitters. So we've got some Brie Larson, some boxers and bears. It's all a bunch of heavy hitters. Yeah. And then the middle of it all is uh, Jackie Chan and uh, John Cusack teaming up. And mm. who, whoever saw that combination coming? Not me. No, I don't think anyone really saw that combination coming. But we should start, of course, with uh, the film which is everywhere. uh, The Rocky spin-off Creed... And this is this is being advertised far and wide. This one it certainly has. Have yeah. you noticed though that we have we have a different marketing campaign from the US? In the US, the tagline is "Your legacy is more than just a name," mm. and here it is, the Rocky legacy. It's almost been billed as a set of kind of title, like a subtitle. It has in yeah. the US. They treat it as a full-on spin-off. Here it is. It's the next Rocky. It's movie. the Rocky legacy, and I think that's because they believe that Rocky isn't yeah. as much of a cultural institution here. Which I assure mm. I assure them is wrong. It's wrong. I grew up on Rocky. Did you grow up on Rocky? I certainly did. Of course you did, because Rocky. Running, awesome. running up and down the stairs, shouting Drago, top of my voice. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Drago. Drago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's going to come up in the review. So uh, Rocky uh, comes back for Creed. This is the spin-off centering around the illegitimate son of the late Apollo Creed, whom we all remember fondly mm-hmm. as Carl Weathers. Uh, Creed's illegitimate son is taken in by his uh, his widow, Marianne, uh, having spent the first 10 years of his life in and out of foster care and juvenile facilities. And, uh, well, he, he now lives a life of privilege. He's now an adult. Uh, he wants to make his own name in the ring but of course coming from a a background of privilege no one will take him seriously and this is whilst he's hiding the fact that he's the son of Apollo Creed so he turns to the one man who will train him None other than Mr. Rocky Balboa himself No way Yes way, it's almost (laughs) as if you've seen the poster Here's a clip No, I don't even know what I'm doing here because I got other plans in my life and this wasn't part of it Your father was special Tell you the truth, I don't know if it's special. Only you're going to know that when the time is right. And it ain't going to come overnight. You're going to take a beat, you're going to take this, you're going to get knocked down, you're going to get up, and you're going to see if you got the right thing. But you got to work hard. I swear to God, if you're not going to do it, I'm out. Like every punch I ever thrown has been on my own. Nobody showed me how to do this. I'm ready. Michael B. Jordan there as Adonis Johnson. As his what, a, what a name. His name is Adonis Hollywood Johnson. They Hollywood. That's, right. that's his boxer name. Is his, it? his name's Hollywood because you know, obviously he's come from L.A. If from you remember, a life of privilege, If yeah. you remember Rocky III... It was they went from Philly to uh, to, yeah. to LA for, mm. to train Apollo Creed's rundown gym, and <laughs> now we have the reverse situation. Michael B. Jordan has reversed the Fresh Prince equation. He, he has packed up Bel Air because we've been waiting for it to happen. <laughs> we have, we've been waiting. Like, this is seriously, this is just waiting for a Fresh yeah. Prince meme to come out. <laughs> <laughs> he got in one little fight, and his mom got scared, and now he's turning to Rocky to leave Bel Air. That's how. That's how we I think you're the person that needs to make that. You need to make that YouTube I think, video. I think we do. We need to make that YouTube. Thing, yeah. thing happen. So you've got franchise after franchise getting rebooted this these days, mm. and and it's getting quite tiresome. If, if we're honest, between you and I, every new franchise sort of spin. It, and so it's only fair in one sense that Rocky gets, you know, he gets a, the same treatment. He, he yeah. gets a comeback of his own mm. because if there's one thing the Rocky franchise is known for, it's, it's one last back. fight, isn't yeah, it? It's, absolutely, it's, it's another shot of the ring. <laughs> so what you've got here is a straight up reboot call, as it were. Mm. You know, this this is a, a thing now. Let's do a sequel. It's also a reboot, a reboot call. So that's what this call. is, a reboot a call. Reboot call. <laughs> so um, you've got uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Coogler, who obviously made a hell of a splash. Uh, I think it's about two years ago. Fruitvale Station. Fruitvale Station. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You were a huge fan of that, weren't you? I was, yeah. And I thought it was well made. I didn't particularly like the film very much. His performance was great in it. Yeah. I, I just didn't particularly like the film that much because I thought it was more of a politicised statement than it was a film. 
Um, I can see that, yeah. That, that, that was my key issue with it. Yeah. Um, so what he's done here, he's he's come to his his big calling card movie. This is that medium range tentpole movie that filmmakers don't really get anymore. You know how mm. yeah, Colin Trevorrow goes from Safety Not Guaranteed to, to Jurassic, Jurassic World? World. There's no middle stage. You go from the indie film to the big stage. Yeah, and because did is... the Kings of Summer. Does does Kong? Yeah, exactly. So this this is the mid ground. This is where you should be. This is the middle ground. This is what we've missed. This yeah. is what we've missed. Even Michael Bay's complaining that it's not there anymore, <laughs> and that's really saying something. Uh, so you've got this this reboot quilt, as it were. You've got the director who's come off of the big indie film, mm. who's who's now going, he's going on next to the big tentpole movie, and in the meanwhile mm. he's got the mid range sort of tempo movie. You've got a director there then who understands what it is that the fans love about the franchise. So you've got all the heartfelt all the heartfelt monologues. You've got all the you know, do you do you fight you would have fight is, is there a montage? There are there's not one montage. There's not two montages. There are three training <laughs> three training montages. I, I, I will say that my favourite Rocky film is Rocky Four. Yes, well everyone's I think everyone's favourite film is Rocky well, Four. It's one of the things. I think that the first one is ultimately the best one, but personal level, Rockwell is the best one, and that has three montages. Well, I'll so, give you that. So yeah, that's a power level. What makes this one work? Say so he's he's understood the the great aspects of it, but he's then crafted a film that stands very firmly on its own as well. Mm. It provides a very clever insight into sort of uh, the divide between privilege and sanctified poverty. You know this? Oh, I'm I'm worth more than you because I come from poverty. Well, yeah, but the movie's not about the poor guy; the movie's about the rich guy. So yes, the rich guy's the good guy for a change. That's that's the focal point. You think that is a really nice spin, and it also harkens back to. Themes of this series that this series has brought up several times, noticeably in Rocky Three with Mr. T and that whole angle, noticeably in Rocky Five with Sage Stallone. Let's not forget that that happened. And I've, I've tried. I've all, tried to forget. We've all tried to forget Tommy Gunn. And uh, so you've got this, and this manages to do all of Rocky Three in a, in a few handful, a few lines of dialogue. You managed to retread the whole of Rocky Three. It's reverent of things that have come before. With well, actually, no, it's respectful of things that have come before without being reverent, and that is quite impressive. You've got a cast who understand the game perfectly. Michael B. Jordan finally gets that that star role that he's always so badly wanted, mm. that he's always so badly needed. He's so good, and he is very yeah. good in it. And then you've got Tessa Thompson, who makes a really great impression actually with this uh, really sort of well-rounded, heartfelt love interest character. She even in the spite of a really shoehorned in sort of disability element and it really is sort of just awkwardly mm. segged in there is it quite jarring no no it's, just... not, it's not really jarring thing. it's just it's sort of oh by the way i have you know, this uh, is uh, yeah okay. that's the thing as well yeah and then of course there's stallone himself mm. and he he won the golden globe for best sporting actor on sunday night i believe it was sunday yeah. and i can assure you there is a reason he did stallone is absolutely fantastic in this movie. He was always the best actor of the 80s action stars and mm. he's he's now here to remind us exactly why. He is fantastic. I mean, to be fair, he's had enough practice at this point. This is the seventh time this he's, seventh he's done the role, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, technically eight if you count that, that cameo in Quantum Leap, but that wasn't really <laughs> him. That wasn't really that wasn't. him. <laughs> yeah. um, so what you've got is, uh, is, hey, is a film which it understands the past, it understands what the fans like and it respects those. It doesn't Revere them. It adds enough to it to make it a solid standalone film. Uh, you've got a cast who are all brilliantly, brilliantly uh, playing it. You've got um, a, a plot that is really well crafted in a sense. Um, you've got this strange thing. You've got um, all this talk about Apollo Creed. They never once mention Ivan Drago. Do they not? They not, and I think it's because they Poor want Dolph. they want to kind of forget the cartoonishness of those films in one sense and That's, go for that, that. That is a thing. Rocky Three kind of treads those cartoonish boards a little bit, but Rocky Four is when it just Ro- goes Ro- off. Yeah, Rocky Four just just went nuts, didn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And it's yeah, I'm here and we're all fighting together and we're all one people. I look round. I just... Happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> And uh, that's it. I mean, they want to forget the cartoonish aspects and stick to this down and dirty street level aesthetic that they've gone for. And it's worked so well for them in recent films. And that works. And I think by having shifted the film from the Balboa line to the Creed line, we apparently are getting a sequel to this. I can't wait for that. 2017. 2017. It's already got release date. And what you've got is a new injection of old blood, effectively. (laughs) New injection. When when does that ever happen? Apart from Star Wars, I guess. Well, (laughs) Yes, exactly. Mm. So, new injection of Old Blood, and it fires up the Rocky series brilliantly. And I'm a huge fan of it. I I, I sat there with a smile all the way through. 
If you're a fan of the Rocky series, you're going to be in heaven with this film. If you're not a fan of the Rocky series, you're going to look at it and think, actually, yes, the director of Fruitvale Station has brought us a very interesting story about this young boxer. And, you know, <laughs> and, and Balboa happens to be and, there. And, and then there's this, this, this man who apparently used to be an action star. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back. So, should we uh, should we have a look at this week's box office top ten, then, Mr. Elm? Well, let's do it. Number ten. Bridge of Spies. It's come back in, hasn't yes, it? Yes, it has. And I think that makes you very happy. It makes me very happy. It does, yeah. It does. We, we, we were both big fans of this. We were, I th- and yeah. I think I, it's one of those, it's a case of, I think we always tend to forget, we're so used to Spielberg having a film out that we just tend to forget how great he is. Mm. And then you see a film like Bridge of Spies, yes, there is a reason that you pioneered the summer blockbuster. There is a reason your films were the biggest that there ever were at one point. And there's a reason Tom Hanks is a star and there's a reason all he works so well in all your films with the exception of The Terminal and oh I like The Terminal I, I had like a it. feeling you were going to say that I really did but, St- Stanley Tucci man Stanley Tucci yeah. Zoe Saldana for me I think she's great in that movie anyway uh, so Bridge of Spies though really well written uh, by the Coen brothers it no, is yeah which that. a lot of people don't know no yeah. although you can tell in places um, mm. Mark Rylance though huge huge fan of Mark Rylance I think he is uh, Sylvester Stallone's main competition for best supporting for best supporting I hope yeah. he is Number nine. In the Heart of the Sea, Ron Howard. Have you had a chance to watch this one yet? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. Right, so this is a bit of a strange one in that well, I can't tell what the film's actually about. Is it the Moby Dick story? Is it the true story behind Moby Dick? Is it the story of a bunch of castaway soldiers, uh, a mismatched crew who can't seem to get on? And either one of those I would be fine with, but because the film doesn't really pick a side in terms of what it wants to be, you are left adrift, so to speak. That's that, that going a bit shattered. That was left terrible. Adrift. Um, I will say, though, Ron Ron Howard directs the hell out of this. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is amazing in it. Um, is it Benjamin Walker, I want to say? Um, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham yeah, Lincoln, yeah. vampire hunter. Mm. Uh, yeah. He's quite <laughs> enjoyable as a sort of greenhorn captain. That's mm. the second time I'm going to use that. To, I'm going to use that again, that term later, because it's Wilson's favourite, greenhorn. Um, and, and then you've got Cillian Murphy, who's a little bit wasted the meanwhile, and you've got it all being bookended by uh, Ben Whishaw and Brendan Gleeson, mm. which is a terrific thing. But of course, the best thing in the film is Tom Holland, who is our new Spider-Man. He's our new Spidey. And he is absolutely terrific in this. Number eight. The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. I can't believe this is sticking around as long as it has. I know, yeah. Um, do you know what? It, it's over, and I think that's it now. We can now view the series as a whole. That that That's something yeah, to be wait said. Wait until the... Uh, the- Blu-ray. The, the Blu-ray box, box set. And buy it all, yeah. Yeah, buy it. What's it going to be called? The, the Complete Games? The Complete Games. <laughs> the Complete Games. <laughs> the Arena Pack. Um, <laughs> the, the, all the Terrible. odds in your favour. There we are. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't know. I didn't like it anywhere near as much as I liked any of the previous three. Mm. Um, I liked it I liked it fair enough, but I did think this is all kind of floundering. There's a lot of padding in here, and it does scream, scream of having taken one story and stress, spread it into two films and stretched it out and the last movie was complete padding this is half padding and it does show all the way through I must admit number seven The Good Dinosaur have you had this one? I have seen this right. what did you think of The Good Dinosaur case? Um, as I've said previously I think I said this last week we've had uh, two films by Pixar this year so that's, that's not a bad thing even if one of them happens to be kind of subpar Pixar Subpar Pixar. Subpar that Pixar. almost rhymes. That's, that's what I'm going to coin for this week. That's, that's my one, sir. Um, I like the cowboy uh, T-Rexes. I think that's kind of cool. Mm, Sam uh, Elliott in there. You know, it's always yeah, good thing. Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott being a cowboy. When's that not good? S- Sam Elliott in anything, dude. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. Did you see Grandma, by the way? Yes, I have. Now, did, yeah. did he destroy your soul in Absolutely. his one appearance yeah. in that? Because he did me. Oh, man. But uh, <laughs> no, The Good Dinosaur, I thought was... Well, it was Pixar does The Land Before Time. Yeah, it's, essentially, it was the land before the land before the Disney merger. That's mm. what it felt like. Yeah, I think it looks terrific. It looks stunning. It is stunning yeah. and yep, beautiful to look at. It's uh, it's blend of animation and uh, sort of realistic texture mapping, like photorealistic really, texture yep, mapping. Really, yeah. really beautiful work. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it go down for best visual effects in a strange way. Could that be a thing? Maybe. I think it's going to be up there for for the best animated, but obviously inside out. Inside win. out's getting that. We I'm all no know. Ch- ch- Kaufman. I think it's going to be a bit, <clears throat> bit of a dark horse. Oh yeah, Anomalisa. Well, we'll discuss that in the coming weeks, I believe. We shall. Number six. Snoopy and Charlie Brown, The Peanuts Movie. Which I really wasn't a fan of, and that broke my heart, because I love... You are, you are a fan. I, I'm yeah. such a fan. I love all the whole Peanuts stuff. <laughs> and, no, it, it, it's just, there's not a film. There's not a film in this. 
There's not. I mean, Rugrats the movie had more in it as a film than this. I don't think that's a bad film. Rugrats the movie. Yeah. It did, didn't. No, it's Rugrats Go to Paris that gave the world who let the dogs out. I was going to say so. Oh, that's true, yeah. But I can't remember there being a, a, a song for Rugrats, but never mind. Um, so, problem with Snoopy and, and Charlie. And Snoopy and Charlie Brown? Is it Snoopy and Charlie Brown? Or Charlie is, Brown and Snoopy? It's uh, Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Okay, the problem with yeah. the Peanuts movie, which is its actual title. <laughs> that's what it should be called. <clears throat> the Peanuts movie. The problem with yeah. the Peanuts movie is there really isn't anywhere near 90 minutes worth of plot in it. There is maybe a 25 minute TV special in there. What you've got is that 25-minute TV special multiplied by three, dragged out to three times its length, given some nice animation, I don't doubt, and this weird story which is half sort of new new plot and half old plot. It can't decide whether or not it's taken place before the established norm of Snoopy, or he finds his typewriter, for instance, during this movie. Right. Which is such an iconic part mm. of Snoopy's character. It is, yeah. Yet Snoopy's antics are long established, and you think I, I can't. That doesn't tell. add up. No, no, doesn't doesn't quite. And then the little redhead girl moves in, and you think I'm not sure where we are with this story. If I'm the parent watching this with my child, is this for the kid, not me? Because why is it then telling me that his antics have happened and they all know and we're supposed to love this character? And it doesn't make a whole heap of sense, and I think that is a bit of a shame. So, what have we got next then? Should we have, should we have a look at uh, Breakdown next? You're going to enjoy this. If we this. must. Yeah. You, you are going to really enjoy this case, I promise. <laughs> so, Breakdown, which is the latest movie starring James Cosmo and uh, Craig Fairbrass. Who, now, I'm not, I'm not really sure on this one. Who is Craig Fairbrass? Because I've seen him in some films... Um, he definitely sounds like a film star. I've, I've seen him in some films. But is he an ex-EastEnders actor? Did you do the IMDb thing for I'm me? I'm going to do the IMDb thing. Because yeah, I don't know. Is he ex-EastEnders or something? I can't quite tell. I feel like he probably is. Like, he fills that sort of role that Gary Kemp usually goes for. <laughs> he kind of does. He looks like a roided-out version of the janitor from Scrubs. And Neil Flynn. If you tell me that this is Neil Flynn in disguise, I won't believe you. Anyway, so Craig Fairbrass plays a, a hitman, a uh, suburban dwelling, middle upper middle class hitman, who is starting to have panic attacks based on all the people he's killed over the years. He confides in his partner, who's played by. Uh, he's actually from EastEnders. Oh and, and in Cliffhanger. And he's in Cliffhanger. And he was in one of the Call of Duty games. I thought he sounded like a And the bank job, and he was in Visor Foot. Uh, Rise of a Foot Soldier. Ah, I didn't know There that. we are. Yeah. Okay, so mystery solved. We now know who Craig Fairbrass <laughs> is, and he did not mop the halls of Sacred Heart. That is, that is something we now know. Uh, the Queen Vic, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, he's having panic attacks, yeah. this hitman, over the people he's killed. He confides in his partner, who's played by the Hollyoaks actor Emmett Scanlon, who you may know better as the prison warden from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, right, yeah. True, true story. <clears throat> and he confides in him, and he soon finds himself... Um, forced to defend himself and his family from his own employers, led by the villainous uh, James Cosmo. We have a clip. These are exciting times. Infinite extraction. It needs to be clinical. You finish it. No problems. You're waiting into deep water, my boy. You will prove your relevance to our selfie. I need to understand. I need to protect my family. We must always take great care of the things we love the most. I don't think I can do this anymore. Now, funnily enough, he says, I don't think I can do this anymore. Um, yeah, we're right there with you, Craig. Uh, this is really, really bad. I really struggle to listen to that. It, it's farcical, to say the least. It's yeah. an unintentional comedy that never really never really <laughs> manages to gel. Um, it's I've, I've now lived long enough to see the on-screen credits and Tama Hassan, which is not something I ever really wanted to be able to say out loud. Um, it, it's a film full of very hammy dialogue, um, supposedly thrilling action sequences that really just sort of have you rolling your eyes and going, Ugh. Uh, By the end of it, you, you, you find yourself having sat through an hour and 58 minutes of a very cheap and cheerful British film, and it's cheerful only in its visceral nastiness. It's, it's flinging around of certain C words, and... And I don't mean Cosmo, as in James Cosmo. That's what um, I was going to say. He is the best thing in the film. I've got to give him that. Good old James Cosmo. Cosmo you can always, always yeah. rely on him. But he is playing it very tongue-in-cheek. And if he isn't, then we have serious problems. But 
as I say, it's just not very good. It it has some of the worst dialogue you've heard in any film this year. You've caught me at my most philosophical. No, no, we haven't, Craig. We've caught you at your dullest. Go away. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. So we should plug the podcast, of mm. course, because if you listen to this on radio, there is more to do. We haven't got to fit Dragon Blade into the show this week, even though we wanted to. We went on about Creed a bit too long. Um, so if you want to hear, for instance, the review of Dragon Blade, you need to listen to the podcast edition, go after the credits and into our podcast extra section, wow. where you also get our moment of cage, which we include every week now. Yes, we do. We do, and you're very proud of that. I certainly am. <laughs> so uh, we have, of course, also got to plug our, uh, our competitions. So we've, okay. got, we've got some interesting ones. What, what do we have? Well, I actually wrote I actually wrote these down because there was some there were, there were, you have to be have to itemize them. You see, mm. so <laughs> this week we've got two competitions on the go. We've got uh, straight out of Compton, which is hungover from last week, and that one includes uh, the leather jacket, t-shirt, record bag, all straight out of Compton branded. Uh, we also have this week brand new a Creed competition. Really? You're going to love this one, which includes a Delphi Boxing Academy t-shirt, so Apollo Creed's gym oh, on a t-shirt. Oh, that's amazing. Um, that black bouncy ball that Stallone's always got. You, yeah, you get, he's get, always got You get that, one yeah. of those. You get the hand wrap, the black hand wrap. Mm. That, yep, yeah, uh, fleecy beanie, jump rope, knitted scarf, the whole you Michael... You get the jump rope. You get the, you get the whole Michael B. Jordan kit. This is incredible. And all you have to do to enter is pop along to onscreenfilm.com, go in our competition section, and enter away, and win some swag, and your life will be richer for it. And of course, while you're there, you can also pop into the off-screen section, and download the podcast, and listen to all the bits at the end that you missed. Or you can go on iTunes, Acast, YouTube, SoundCloud... Uh, all, all the ones, tune all in, the guys. Podcast Islands, Encaster... Yeah. I think I think we're pretty much on everything except cave uh, cave walls at this point. We've not been, <laughs> we've not been converted into line drawing and put on cave walls. We, we, sh- we should do that. Yeah, you know, if, really, if anybody out there is good at doing uh, good old cave drawing, you let us know. I think we should. So we've kind of neglected the, the film news this week. We should have a talk about this one. We have. What, what have we got for well, us? Well, we have to start with the really sad news, first of all, about David Bowie. Yeah. Yeah, because this, this, this broke my heart Monday morning. This broke mine. I was, it was uh, Monday morning, wasn't it? It was Monday morning. I was woken up by my fiancé and I nearly cried. Yes, yeah. yes, myself as well. So Dave Bowie's passed away at age 69 after having battled cancer for 18 months. Yeah. And I mean, he kept it well hidden. I was, uh, he did. He had, um, I believe it was five or six heart attacks as well. Did, wow. Like, within a space of only like two or three years. He really got put through the ringer. So David Bowie has left us. Did you know his music featured in over 452 separate films? I, you know, I did not know that. That is genuinely true. 452 screen music credits belong to David Bowie. But he was in some fantastic films as well as an actor in his own right. He was. Amongst yeah. them was apparently some film called Labyrinth, which is slightly revered, I believe. Who, who was the character played? Jorgar? Or... I, I, you know what I'm talking about? I genuinely forget. Is it Jorath? It is Jorath. Yeah. Jorath. All, I know is, all I know is we remind him of the babe. What babe? The man with the power. <laughs> Let's not do this. <laughs> so uh, George Miller has declared that he is done with directing Mad Max movies. And who can blame him? Well, he has said, well, you know what? We had to wait 18 months last time, and it's 27, 27 28 hours every time we want to fly to the, every time we want to return to the US. So I'm kind of done with it. He's, he's 70. He is. He's, he's getting, 70. You so know what? That's he, fine. He, he worked at it long enough to see those films gain genuine credibility and critical respect. Yeah. So, you know what? Fair play to him. <laughs> and there's genuine talk about that film getting Oscars, in which case. Well, well played. What a he's just about. been nominated for a a DGA, which is a Directors Guild Award. So that is the possibility of him being nominated for Best Director quite high. So we should talk about as well, and this is a bit, bit, bit of sort of you know, an off kilter one. Uh, the new Baywatch girl. Oh yeah, was now that's that's free. That's we, that's free babe. We've now got it? we've now got we've now got third babe. Now this is this is a very interesting one because we had uh, Alexandra Daddario, we had Kelly Rohrbeck, who incidentally mm. is Leonardo DiCaprio's ex girlfriend. I well, she's she's blonde and a model. So. She's blonde and a model, so therefore she <laughs> has been out with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, we now have um, Priyanka Chopra. Are you aware of Priyanka Chopra? No, but I like that name. Right, like Priyanka Chopra. This is a very interesting one. She is the star of a TV... She's a former Bollywood star who has turned her attention to the US and has made the transition from Bollywood to US network TV mm. with the starring role in a series called Quantico. Now, I had the pilot of Quantico on my iPad on the way home from London yesterday. So I sat and watched it, and I got really, really into it. Now, when I was in the gym this morning, I watched the second episode while on the treadmill. And on the monitor behind me was a music video starring a girl who looked awfully familiar. Turned out to also be Priyanka Chopra. 
who it turns out is also in music videos. And so it seems that there is nothing she can't do. So music videos, Bollywood, Hollywood, US network TV. She, she's she's yeah, going to be If you've not seen Quantico, by the way, I recommend it. It seems... Oh, I'm two episodes in. It's awesome. Quantico. Quantico. I'll check it out. Yeah, FBI type thing. Cool. And um, yet, yeah, so uh, she's now she's now in talks to be the third Baywatch girl. This is cool. this is interesting. Yeah. Also, am I right in thinking Fair she would her. be the first ever Asian uh, Baywatch girl? I think you might be correct, yeah. I think, could that yeah. kind of happen before? Surely. I don't remember. I, don't remember I remember I'm, Tyra I'm, I'm, Banks I'm not, was the first black I'm not a bigger, a bigger fan as Baywatch as you. Oh, I'm, I'm somewhat scholarly on 90s Baywatch. It's, it seems to be but so, I, yeah. I tuned out round, round about the time that Tyra Banks became the first black Baywatch girl. I had tuned out because by that point it had become Baywatch Hawaii and starred Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa, and yeah. I, I wasn't I, I so that. much interested in it back then. You didn't, um, you didn't, you didn't dig on. No, I wasn't on big Aquaman. on. No, I wasn't no. big on future Aquaman, Tyra Banks, and, and Hawaii. But uh, I was, I, I, they lost me with Baywatch Nights. So yeah. anyway, speaking of things that will, uh, will lose you, the Revenant. <laughs> we got to talk about the Revenant. Let's review the Revenant then, which I know you have been really looking forward to. I look forward to it so much. I haven't watched it yet. I'm waiting to see it on a big. Big, uh, big screen. screen. You want it on the biggest yeah. screen imaginable, and that's understandable because this is directed by Inuritu. Mm. Which is an Orts amazing thing. Author of Birdman, and uh, well, so <laughs> this is, is directed is by uh, is it Alexandra Inuritu, Alejandro Inuritu, Alejandro Gonzalez Inuritu, and Alejandro G Inuritu, G, as he is now yeah. credited, who brought us Birdman last year. This year has brought us The Revenant, and wow. Okay, so the the, the great author of the twenty first century, as I have now taken to calling him, has returned with the second film in which he is again married uh, artistic cinema with out and out Hollywood mainstream credibility. And what he has given us is a story in which Leonardo DiCaprio, the great hunter Hugh Glass, in a story inspired by true events, is left for dead after being forced to watch the murder of his son by Tom Hardy. Would you not know it? He then gets up from his grave and sets out for revenge. But in order to get his revenge, he's first going to have to brave the American wilderness. This is about 1860, I think, thereabouts? 1820 or 1860? Something like that. Um, He has to brave the American wilderness in order to get to Tom Hardy and kill him dead. Here's a clip. Hey, Glass. Is it true what they say about you shooting that lieutenant while you was living them sandwiches? Gerald. 21 dead soldiers, more than 40 dead feathernecks, but you and your boy are the only ones who get to walk out alive. It's kind of a miracle, don't you think? Man, shut up, Fitzgerald. That what you did? Shot one of your own to save this little dog right here? You know what you want, fight, son? Why, was you playing with this little boy's mama, huh? Fitzgerald! Did he kill her? Hey, you can quit polishing that rifle when I'm talking to you. I'm working on it. You can work on it later when I'm done talking to you. Look at me, Scout. That's enough! You're forgetting your place, boy. As far as I can tell, my place is right here on the smart end of this rifle. Hardy. DiCaprio, and even Donald Gleeson there in the background as well, yeah, as the captain. Right, so this opens with a battle sequence <laughs> rivaled only by saving Private Ryan in terms of just how viscerally nasty it is. Mm. I mean, intense, viscerally nasty, and with the cinematography of Emmanuel Lebeski. Wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you yeah. know it? I believe you call Chivo? Chivo, Chivo is what? Ch- Chivo is, isn't it? All, all of his pals seem to call him. So with this visceral intensity with which the film opens, Inuritu mm. effectively sets the stage very, very early on for the work he is about to unfurl before you. So it's all long, elegant shots, minimal visible cuts, and this sort of ethereal, disembodied point of view. And wow, what a masterwork. I mean, it is... It's such an immersive and intense experience, yet it has that wonderfully detached quality to it. It's so perfectly gauged that it just screams, this is a film in which the director has collaborated with literally everybody involved. So, down to the smallest role on any, for any member of the cast, he has quite clearly sat mm. and talked to that person T-boy. at Sp- Spoke to the T-boy. He, yeah. he has had long conversations with the T-boy about <laughs> the exact care with which to put the sugar. You need to his... stir it four times. Stir it and only four times counterclockwise. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got uh, DiCaprio who retains that position as the finest actor of his generation at this point. <laughs> and he obviously seems to have this great sync with Inuritu, delivers this performance, which is a lot more visual than it is verbal, because it's very very low in terms of dialogue. Mm. And it is it's, it's intense, it's wrought, it is just a harrowing performance. You feel everything for this guy. 
And the, the feeling part of this movie is you will flinch, you will gasp, you will put your fist in your mouth and bite down on your knuckles several times. And I have witnessed more than a few people do this <laughs> in a screening of it. You've then got Tom Hardy, who's the villain of the piece, but he's still this sort of fearless and unflinching performer that he always is. Give Tom Hardy the worst script in the world and he will still be fearless mm. and unflinching. And he Give will him, do- like, like, I don't know, yellow pages to yeah, read. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, we saw what he did with uh, Legend. Even in something mm, yeah. as cartoonish as that, he's still going he did, for it. Yeah. Give him his credit. And then you have Will Poulter and Donald Gleason, and the pair of them are absolutely terrific. Donald Gleason manages to bring genuine depth to what is otherwise a relatively thankless sort of a greenhorn captain role, rather like Ben Walker in uh, in The Heart of the Sea, very much like that. Then you've got uh, Will Poulter, who's this traumatised sort of newcomer to this world, sort of the young kid, as it were, in the company. It's it's a hell of a performance. The worst thing about the film is that it's not in IMAX. That's, that's, that's I mean, damn you, Star Wars. Really? That's it, Did yeah. you have it's to Disney. hog in Star yeah. Wars? And, uh, you, you, you and Quentin Tarantino. Just, uh. <laughs> yeah, I think Inurito and, and Tarantino need to need to team up clearly at this point. And yeah. yeah, it is this great crossover of art and entertainment, the sort that we always decry the Hollywood system for denying us. And yet, here it is. It, it's right here before us. I think it is genuinely one of the the masterpieces of the 21st century. This is one of the cinematic masterpieces that is of a this Claim. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you are correct because I am. I cannot wait for this film. That's it. It's raw. Yeah. It's unflinching. It is about uh, both psychological and physical survival. It is. And I wrote. I'm very proud of myself. I've written this down. It is okay. film at its finest, survival at its scariest, and drama at its deadliest. It is reverent of cinema as a concept. It is absolutely terrific. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The on-screen radio show. And we're back in dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so we we told you the break. We we found out what Craig Fairbrass is. Uh... We did. Uh, his his next uh, feature presentation. Yeah. Uh, he's actually a screenwriter for it. It's oh, a no. film called Two Days of Blood. Of course it is. Uh, just just quickly, uh, it is about uh, Mark Tanner uh, on IMDb. It says Mark Tanner is big, aggressive, brutal, psychotically dangerous, and seriously greedy. For money. Oh my god. I can't <laughs> wait for that. Well, whilst we wait for. Uh, what's it called? Uh, two days of blood. Two days of, whilst we wait for two days of blood, then. I want to know what happens like the other five days of a week. Yeah, it's true. Maybe it's just he lives the weekend of yeah. blood. Well, until then, let's uh, let's finish up the box office top ten. Number five. Joy. Joy. Now, were, you, were you a fan of Joy? I never, I never think I've ever uh, I, I was. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I always have a bit of a weird time with uh, David O. Russell. Their, their I, kind of I, I am as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's my favourite of the films they've done together. Actually, I, do you know, I would I, say I would that. Say I would that, say that yeah. as well. I mean, I liked. I, I don't know. I liked Silver Linings quite a bit. I think I, she I, was I very like Silver Linings. Other elements other than her. I don't think that she should have won the Best Comedy Actress Award at Golden Globes because she's not funny in it. It's not. It's not a comedic. It's a. It's a good performance, but it's not a comedic performance for me. Joy is good for me, but I. It, I feels by the numbers. Things like Robert De Niro being very miscast because he's just sort of there obligatorily. Because yeah, yeah, it's a David Russell film. Exactly. That yeah. lets it down for me. Number four, The Danish Girl. Now I read a Kratz article recently that's about uh, true story movies that are actually full of nonsense. Uh, Danish like girl, this, yeah. yeah, Danish girl came up actually. Well, it's, it's completely fabricated. The that, that relationship, apparently yeah. so. Mm. Although I actually quite liked the film, and I liked it more than most. I think I think a lot of people were quite oh Eddie Redmayne, we're past this because he, he, you know, he won that Eddie Redmayne award for best Redmayne. For, for best Redmayne, yes, he yeah. did. Yeah, the annual annual Redmaneys. Yeah, the Redmaneys last February, end of last February, I believe. Uh, tooking, taking the away award away from uh, Paul Michael Keaton, and who had his Paul he Michael had Keaton. his best Redmaining speech at the ready. He did, yeah. Um, I do think Redmaine is very good in this. Uh, I do think it's Alicia Vikander's uh, Alicia Vikander, I believe. Alicia Vikander, Alicia, Alicia Vikander, I think she's referred to as mm. uh, Alicia Vikander's movie. More than anything else, I think she's absolutely terrific in it. And Matthias Schoenhartz, uh, Matthias Schoenhartz, Schoenhartz. I will never get bored of saying that name, man. I know you won't. Great yeah. small role, though. I think he's a great mm. actor. However, like I say. It's Alicia's film, 
And well played, <laughs> miss. Well played. Number three. Daddy's Home. Right. People got really, really sniffy about Daddy's Home. Mm. I do not understand it at all. People seem to like, emphatically hate it. Exactly. The film yeah. is funny. I'm sorry, the film is funny. And, and it's not just funny, it is violently funny. It has a great <laughs> inversion of the Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg dynamic from the other guys. It's got a fantastic cameo at the very end. And the humour in it is surprisingly straight-laced and fun. It doesn't really resort to toilet humour, if, if you know what I mean. It's mm, not one mean. of those movies. Um, it's got a great appearance by Bill Burr. It's got Linda Cardellini in a mainstream film, which is always a nice thing post-Scooby-Doo. And... <laughs> And then he's got Thomas Hayden Church, who shows up to continuously steal the scene. And when is that not a good thing? Thomas exactly. Hayden Church is amazing. I've, I've seen like him, him in like the the trailers and stuff. He's got like a general Custer, like he, he blonde has. hair. It's incredible. He, he's fantastic. And you know what? He absolutely makes this film. Number two, The Hateful Eight. Really, this made money despite not being shown in most of the cinemas. <laughs> in three separate chains. In well, three separate yeah, chains. Two, two owned by one. <laughs> now, did you like The Hateful Eight? I loved it. Right. I, 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 I was a fan. I did think it's basically Reservoir Dogs with a Western spin. I would love to go watch it in 70mm, but I don't know if I'm going to get the chance. No, that's the thing. I I don't know about the 70mm side of it. I don't quite understand why, when it's a film that's mostly confined to a single location, that they would want the 70mm side of it to be such a big thing. Mm. Um, but that's it. It is a stage play. It is Reservoir Dogs in the West. But it yeah. is... And it, it, is the, it is Tarantino's best film in a long, long while. But it is... Annoyingly, also one of his most arrogant, and that's... the fact that he has two separate segments where he is literally telling you what goes on. Like, he really does. He is the narrator. And now the story of seven strangers and the wanted criminal who brought them all together. Yeah, it's hateful development. Number one. Hmm. What do you think is number one? <laughs> Could it be The Force Awakens? Do you know what? It, it actually is. So, uh, what's left to say about The Force Awakens at this point, other than say, it is amazing, it is fantastic, it is the film of 2015, it is fun, it is a roller coaster ride, it's moving, touching, absolutely scream-inducing at points. And it's made all the money. And it's made all the money in the world. Do you know what? End of. Well played, JJ. We're done. That's it. Yeah, that, that's really it. We'll, so. we'll, we'll say more about it next week when it's number one again. Yeah, we, exactly. We will. Yeah. So, shall we? Uh, shall we finish up then with our last review of the the, the regular broadcast this week, which is yeah. uh, which is Room, of course. It is. Yeah. Is, I, yeah. Great. This is based mm. on the novel by Emma O'Donoghue, uh, which is sort of, for lack of a better term, a sort of fictionalized version of is it Joseph Fritzl? I, to, I, to I, I did kind of liken it, yeah. I did liken, liken it to, it to, to the Fritzl story. So, exactly. So, you have a young mum, sort of 24, 25 year old mum named Joy, who has spent seven years locked in a shed. Uh, in which the, her abductor will appear once every night for sexual purposes, and then once a week will provide her with treats. A sort of, uh, we call it treat day? We call it treat day, Sunday yeah. treat day. Of course, she has a five year old son she has fathered with her abductor. Um, who's played by Jacob Tremblay. She's played by uh, Brie Larson, who I'm not going to keep calling Alison Brie. And uh, <laughs> say Jacob Tremblay, who plays her son Jack, has grown up only knowing the world of Room, as he calls it. And in order to escape the confines of Room and enlist his help, Joy is forced to break the reality of the situation to her five-year-old son, heat the weight of the world on his shoulders, as it were, by in fact telling him what the world is. But it turns out that getting out of Room is only really half of the battle to begin with, because once you're out of Room, you're into the world, and that comes really with its own sort of challenges. We have a clip. Where do you think that old Nick gets our food? From TV by magic! There is no magic. What you see on TV, those are pictures of real things, of real people. It's real stuff. Dora's real for real? No, that's a drawing. Dora is a drawing. The other people have faces like us. Those are pictures of real things. And all the other stuff you see on there, that's real too. That's real oceans, real trees, real cats, dogs. No way! What would they all fit? They just do. They just fit. They just fit out in the world. Jack, come on. You're so smart. I know that you've been wondering about this. Can I have something else to eat? This is a real performance piece, this yeah, one. Yeah, it is. So on the one hand, you have Brie Larson. On the other hand, you have Jacob Tremblay. 
And what a pair of performances. I mean, Jacob Tremblay, for such a young actor, is absolutely terrific. I mean, he plays this this part so... I mean, it's, it's an astonishing performance. How, how old is this kid? I don't know. I mean, he's playing a five-year-old. He's nine. He's nine. He's nine. Wow, because he's very young-looking for a nine-year-old boy yeah. as well. So he's really compelling with this sort of precocious, wide-eyed innocence. And once he's introduced... Because it's not really... The halfway point is sort of the reintroduction to the world. And then you've got a whole other story to be mm. told... Now, it's when they get out of room that they then get an entirely new story of each. Yeah. Brie Larson gets to go on a whole other journey. And as for Jacob Tremblay, well, there's a whole world to discover. And he plays it so compellingly, so intriguingly. You are fascinated by him. And to say he's the least interesting at first, he becomes the most interesting as it all goes on. In the meanwhile, you've got Brie Larson, who is really reliable in these kind of things at this point. Looking at things like looking at films like Short Term Twelve, and she she does it yeah. quite well. She does, yeah. And I know you're quite a big fan of Brie Larson. I'd say that she is my favourite sort of like young actress right now. Let's say like you've also got uh, Joan Allen, who's absolutely heartbreaking at times as the the mum slash grandmom, as it were. And then you've got uh, this 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 really well written, really insightful. Because I believe it is written by Emma Donahue as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, she's written this mm. really compelling and intriguing sort of exploration of the indoctrination of children because it's almost like the child himself has been brainwashed. Even though the mother has been forced to sort of resign herself to this this is going to be their it, life. It, yeah. Their life. He sort of he's he's like a cult member. He's like an indoctrinated member as you can hear in the clip where mm. he doesn't want to believe there's a world out there and he's he, he's always asking to go back to room, isn't he? That's it and he always yeah. wants to know about room. I was fascinated by this being Lenny Abrahamson's, uh, Lenny Abrahamson's yeah. direction, given that I mostly know him for Frank. Frank was the last uh, one, yeah, yeah. Having directed Frank. And this is a very, very different sort of project completely. Um, what you've also got, well, it should be pointed out, Sean Bridges, who plays Old Nick. There, there would mm. be cap. There would be abductor slash captor, and that is a really fascinating performance from an actor who doesn't really play it too nasty. He, he plays it very mm. carefully. It's not too nasty, and it's not unintentionally likeable. It's very, very well balanced, and that's very much it. The film is very much about balance. Definitely. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I thought was really, really good. I don't know the actor's name, but uh, the guy who plays uh, the stepdad. Oh, oh, you mean... Sure. Yeah, what's his name? Is it Matt Gordon who plays Doug? Doug, yeah, that's yes. yeah, that's a character. Very, name, yeah. very good performance as well. Uh, I did also like William H Macy, although I would have, hmm. I would have cast those two the other way around. In a strange Opposite, way, yeah. it's like just because I like to see more of William H Macy. I don't know. I think the the guy who plays Doug, he plays it with a, like an almost kind of sense of heart. No, I think yeah. it was. It was a very, very good performance. But again, almost Thomas Hayden Church like in sort of the presence. Oh, isn't just, it? just cast Thomas Hayden Church. Just, in just get him in everything. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to have to give film of the week to the Revenant. I, right, I think okay. because for me it's it's just too good a film. But it's been an excellent week. It, yeah, it has it has been a really good yeah. week. But of course, next week's going to be interesting. It's not going to be as epic. We've got some interesting things next what, week. What have we got? Uh, we've got the assassin. We've got the big short. Which now that one? That one's going to get. Some, I, some I have seen the big short. Have you seen the big short? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've got Ride Along Two, which is maybe not going to get any Oscar nominations, if we're honest. Probably not. But no. I am very much looking forward to it because hey, you, Kevin, you Hart. like you some Kevin Hart. You don't know, do you? He he's okay for about four minutes. No, I like. I'm a big fan of Kevin Hart. I can't handle him for ninety-four um, minutes. Very intriguing project next week. Um, our brand is Crisis, starring Sandra Bullock and mm. Billy Bob Thornton. And yeah. I, is George Clooney in it, or is he producing it? He has produced it. He's produced it. Uh, we've also got Dark Places, uh, latest from Gone Girl author Julian Flynn, stars oh. Charlize Theron. Got that to look forward to. And Chloe Moretz fights aliens in the Fifth Wave, which I, that one could go no either thanks. way for me. No thanks. Hard de- pass. It depends on I think how much you like Chloe Moretz. I'm, I think she's perfectly fine, but uh, I, I do not like her. You do all. not. Well, no. next week's going to be interesting then, guys. We'll see. Well, yeah. Let's see how that one pans <laughs> out. So that's all we have time for this week off screen. Uh, this has been a Candy Store production for on screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been Case Allen. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay, cut. 
And it's time for the podcast extras. We're back. We're back again. <laughs> we are. So, uh, well, we had to miss an entire film uh, because, well, you know, time reasons. And also Creed was just so much fun to talk about. Who you you were really enjoying it. I was it. really enjoying Creed. I really enjoyed the film. I can't wait to see the film again. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we should talk. We should do a quick review then for Dragon Blade. Yeah. Uh, which is, this is a Chinese film. <laughs> so Chinese historical epic starring yep. Jackie Chan. Alongside Adrian Brody and John Cusack. John Cusack playing a Roman soldier? Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and you, believe me, you're going to forget about one When we get to the clip, you're going to love it. You're going to love it because I know you've not seen the film. No. Believe me, the, I, we've got the perfect clip, sets the stage so perfectly. So, what you've got, you've got um, the, the captain of a platoon of the Silk Road Protection Squad. Right, are you familiar with this? No. So the Silk Road, the Silk Road was the passage that went from the Mediterranean to the eastern coast of China. It okay. was the, ch- the trade route for centuries. Uh, the Silk Road Protection Squad were basically the enforcers of, well, don't screw about and try to underhand people on our trade route, please, or we'll kill you all. And you know, Jackie Chan was the the platoon leader, and he and his squad are framed for a crime they didn't commit and exiled to go into this remote area called the Wild Geese Gate and build the defences of this ancient city um, through well, general ineptitude on the part of those who you know run the place Jackie Chan soon finds himself in charge of it and I mean within about a minute Jackie Chan finds himself in charge of it it's, I feel like that's the thing that would happen in like one of his like nineties comedies, early two thousand comedies. It seems like Vince Vaughn would like get sent to prison, the warden then quits, and Vince Vaughn becomes the warden of the Chris, prison. Chris Tucker would be like an evil emperor. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So anyway, so Jackie Chan's in charge of the uh, the Chinese city, the Wild Geese Gate, and no sooner has he assumed command of it than a Roman platoon turns up, led oh. by would you know it, Mister Cusack, General Lucius. As Ooh, it were. General hello. Lucius. Lucius. So Lucius is very weary. He has with him in his protection a young, a young, uh, sick boy, who it turns out is the deposed heir of the Roman Empire, and his evil brother, played by Mister Brody, is on the way to ensure that his younger brother never really gets a chance at the big at the big chair, so to speak. We have a clip. Where you go tomorrow? This is a question I've been thinking about constantly. In Rome, we are trained to obey, to serve, since we're very young. When you finally get the opportunity to choose your own path, you realize there's nowhere to go. Do Chinese soldiers feel the same way? No, we're different. Why? You train kill people. We train save people. I make Silk Road peace. Peace. It's a dream. It's John Cusack's Batman voice. This is a dream. <laughs> Come on, John Cusack. You're in my favourite film of all time. Which, which one's yours? High Fidelity is my favourite oh, film. Oh, I go with Gross Point Blank. Oh, and I love that. Yeah, I love him, that. Him, him and Piven, man. Ten him years, Piven. man. Ten years. You can never go home again, Altman, but you can't shop there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we've both established that we are both fans of John Cusack. Yes, we are. And both disappointed that he has resorted to this. However, we should point out that, you know, in this day and age in which Chinese... Mo- it's, it's China Ch- money. That's it. It's China money. Uh, because the Chinese box office is the most desired in the world now. Mm. So, with... I mean, I didn't even get to review the last Transformers movie before I was getting press releases from Paramount telling me that it was the most successful movie in China ever and had already broken $1.3 billion. Isn't the last word about film set in China? It is. No, no, it's the halfway point. They literally stop oh, the yeah, movie and yeah. then repeat the first half in China. That actually happened. I had to watch it again recently to ensure that I wasn't making that up in my own head. I don't ever want to see that again. N- never do, trust no. me. So, with Chinese box office figures being as desired as they now are, we have now gone the other way. Rather than simply trying to incorporate Chinese elements into an American yeah. film, what we are now trying to do is we now have Chinese movies that are incorporating American, ele- uh, Amer- American elements into themselves. Yeah, Hollywood are going there. So Hollywood are going to China rather than the other way around, which is fair enough. Why not play it that way? And, of course, they've now taken Adrian Brody and John Cusack, which from their perspective I can understand seems like a bargain. It's a bit of a coup, isn't it? It's a bit of a coup for them. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't quite pan out that way, and... <laughs> 
<laughs> no one involved in this is delivering anything even faintly resembling their best work. Um, Jackie Chan's likeable in that way that Jackie Chan always is, you know, yeah. and it has enough of that fantastically tinged choreography that only Jackie Chan could ever pull off. He's he's done so many of these pods. It could do this in his sleep, couldn't he? He really could. And don't get it wrong, at times it sounds like he actually is. <laughs> but I mean, for a man of Chan's age to still be doing this is he must impressive. be sixty. He must be sixty now, mid, like mid to late sixty, surely. But let's, uh, get, let's get an IMDb again. Let's get an IMDb and find that out. As say, Adrian Brody gets the coveted and credit. He gets the and Adrian and, Brody credit. Yeah. Yet he absolutely in no way delivers anything of a, quali- of a qualifying calibre for that credit. This is like a moustache twirling performance. This is a <laughs> now I shall stop you with my Machiavellian schemes. <laughs> <laughs> I have tied John Cusack to the train. <laughs> and at that he literally does string him up at one point no and start torturing him. <laughs> <laughs> Is it just like some like very creaky piano? You kind of feel like there should be. I mean, don't get me wrong. John Cusack manages to walk away with marginally, and I cannot italic that word enough. Marginally more dignity, and probably two million dollars as well. Probably to, this is Tim Roth and United Passions all over again. Yeah. Um, but his uh, General Lucius is really underdeveloped outside of, admittedly, quite a surprisingly effective relationship with Jackie Chan's Hoan, 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 because they keep say, they keep saying it, and I keep hearing go on. I kept I kept go thinking on. they were all shouting "Go on!" constantly. It was actually "Ho on." Sounds like saying so. "Juan" or like is a is a Mexican Chinese soldier. No, no, entirely possible. <laughs> Jackie Chan does become the first Chinese member of the Roman Guard, though. So, Ooh, that, that, oh, spoiler. That, yeah, well, so, not really much of a spoiler. It happens about a third of the way there. No. Uh, so, on the directorial front, uh, writer-director Daniel Lee, he offers sort of an interesting and appealing enough canvas for it all to unfold, but that's on the directorial front, not on the writing front. On the writing front... He leaves it all a bit lacking. It's narratively by the numbers. The character arcs are really sort of depressingly predictable. And there's no real element of surprise at all. Other than it is actually quite likeable. It, in a naff charm sort of a way. It is all about naff charm. There's nothing really else going for it. And that's it. It's not going to attract a fan base. But at the same time, it's not going to attract apologists either. It's not that bad. It's not. This, we're not talking about showgirls here. You know what I mean? This, you're not going to have to. You apologize. love showgirls. I love showgirls. Love I, I, I do. I love showgirls. But you know, it's just Karl McLaughlin, man. Mm, Karl yeah. McLaughlin. That chin is a weapon. Anyway, <laughs> as as a sign of the sort of the sort of cinema that's yet to come, this proposition isn't entirely the worst. I mean, if this is the the worst, the lower end of the quality spectrum that we're in for, mm. then I can live with that. I think we'll be okay. You can, you can deal with it. I can deal with it. If, if Dragon Blade is going to be the lower end of the spectrum of the Chinese invasion of cinema, then fine, it's going to be great. We'll be fine. We're in for, we're for a good time. But if, if, it's the, if it's the higher end, then we're doomed. Hmm. We really, really are doomed. So, should we wrap up some film news then that we didn't get to do on the actual yeah, uh, the let's, radio Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. So, we got to talk about Emma Stone. Have you heard about this? I'm sure oh, Cassie's... Crowley Deville. Yeah, yeah, Cassie must have heard Cassie about this. Cassie has heard about this, yeah. Your, your better half is, of course, a Disney Disney fanatic, so we, yes. we, we know all about yeah. this. That was marked by Christmas present for her, wasn't it? Was it the, was. Uh... You bought a bing-bong. Bing-bong, yeah, yeah. She She yeah. cries every night. Thank yeah. you for that, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I asked specifically <laughs> she hang it over her bed and so she could you know, go to sleep looking at bing-bong. Yeah. She did just like wake up middle of the night and it's like, bing-bong. <laughs> so, Emma Stone is set to play Cruella Deville in a live-action origin story Entitled Cruella. That's that's original. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, right. Here's one that I find quite interesting. Uh, Nina Dobrev, who is an actress from The Vampire Diaries on TV, or was. I think she left it recently. I remember reading that somewhere. And uh, Ruby Rose, otherwise known as the one everyone fancied in that last yeah. series of Orange Is the New Black, the lesbian with all the tattoos, Aussie. Yeah, the, yeah. the Australian lesbian with all the tattoos yeah. who everyone fancied in the last men and women, everyone, absolutely everybody. everyone Cats, fancied. Cats, dogs, chairs ev- everybody. Exactly. Lola, she, my, my puppy, she was she was all up on there. And yeah, so they are both set to join Triple X3. What's, what's the full title? <laughs> you, you know you want to say? Triple <laughs> X, colon, the return of Xander Cage. What's not to love in there? Nothing. Now meanwhile, Christina Hendricks. Have you heard about this one? Christina Hendricks so. has on. been cast as the love interest in Bad Santa 2. Boom. Yeah, I have heard about, yeah that's, that's amazing. That's, that's pretty good, isn't yeah. it? I, I can... mean, I, 
I am sad that Lauren Graham isn't coming back, but come on, Christina Hendricks, man. I, I know, if you're going to replace Lauren Graham, you go and get Christina Hendricks. That's mm. how it works. <laughs> so, <laughs> meanwhile, Jamie Foxx, this is eye-rolling, isn't This it? is out of the blue. Yeah. This, this really is. So Jamie Foxx is going to play Little John in mm. Robin Hood Origins, yeah. in which is going to be the start of... Is this the start of the franchise with all the spin-offs? Um, well, it's one of many. One yeah. of many. We're going to get individual character spin-offs from this, I think. Yes. And Taron Egerton is Robin Hood. Yes. And that that is that's mind blowing to me. Um, that, here's one that I just this isn't even strictly film related. I just I just loved it so much. Do you remember Jonah Hex? Oh, I know this news. Do you yeah. know this news? I do know Jonah Hex. I do know there was an awful film. I do know that character's going to come back. That character's going to come back after yeah. that god-awful film that everybody hated and despised, yet we all like to forget that Michael Fassbender was in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like a henchman, wasn't he? Was, he was, he was the henchman. He was, he was Malcatraz's henchman. He, yeah. he was, yeah. Oh, Michael crazy. Fassbender. And this is only five years ago. Yeah, this is only, yeah, 2010, 2011. He, he did, yeah. like, X-Men First Class, like, a year later. That's a like, step up. We all forget that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, the upcoming DC event series, which spins out of Arrow and Flash, it's yeah. like a time-travelling 16-part TV series, is going to feature Jonah Hex in one episode. This is going to be a new incarnation of the character. Of course, it is removed from the continuity of the movies, of course, hence why yeah. there is a movie Flash coming up, and he will be unrelated to the TV Flash. Which is a shame, because Grant Gustin is doing a fantastic job. Are you a fan? I didn't realise. I really am. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, did. I remember recommending it to you ages ago. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board. Ah, I'm yeah. very proud of you, Mr. Allen. Thank you, thank you. Uh, another bit of TV news, actually. I'll give you this one, because it involves Mr. Hader. Oh, yeah. Is, Bill yeah. Hader's got the TV pilots yes. in which he will play a, a sort of lonely hitman who <laughs> discovers um, kindred spirits in the form of a theatre troupe in West L.A. It's going to be called Barry. It's going to be on HBO. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we have... Oh, have you heard this this one about the Stormtrooper? Uh, about Traitor. 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 T-R-A-T-R. Yeah. Traitor. He has a name. He, he has, a, has a name, which is F-N and blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. But he, it's actually shortened to Nines. And he's a ginger. <laughs> Did you know this? He's a ginger. I didn't know he was a ginger. He's no, a ginger. And there's, 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 anime, there's uh, comic book artwork, I think, of him. And, and he's a ginger. He's a ginger as well. Oh. So Nines, who is the Stormtrooper with that weird baton thing, which I think is called a Z-9... Z9 Baton, I believe it's the, called. The Stormtrooper that yells, Traitor! Really yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Who fights you know, oh. John Boyega. He now has a backstory, courtesy of Lucasfilm, because he is the, the great Boa Fett-like character that we all wanted, yeah. uh, Gwendolyn Christie. We all thought that Captain Phasma was going to be yeah, exactly. our, our new Boba. And, and yet he wasn't. So Traitor is, in fact, Nines... Nines. <laughs> so we got from an eight in his name to Nines. And, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Spike Jones. This this one was weird. Have you heard this? Yeah, is right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is he now? He's gonna be helping a TV channel. Vice is it now? Right, no, no. I, I'm completely he, off. He I'm is off. overseeing. He's a, overseeing. He's overseeing this. T- he is the launch manager for a TV station run by Vice. It's going to be called Viceland. <laughs> and have you heard about the programs that will be on it? Are they all done by Spike Jones? Because that'd be great. They they are all overseen by Spike Jones. He has overseen the development of them all. One of them, you're gonna love this, Tell is me. a is an LGBT themed holiday program called Gaycation, in which <laughs> Ellen Page travels the world exploring gay issues around the globe. She is my favourite tiny lesbian. She she is my favourite four foot lesbian. Yeah, I don't know that she's, she's four. Great. I don't know that she's four. She, foot, she's but. between four and five feet. No, no, no she, more than she's got five two. She's yeah. got to be the only person in the world shorter than me. But <laughs> like you, Ben Halford, name check for Ben. And, name check for Ben, and maybe Warwick remember. Davis. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's it. So me, am I, am I am I the tallest one on this scale though? It's Ben shorter than me. I think you're probably the tallest. Yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. So uh, Ben Mendelsohn is in talks to play the villain for Ready Player One. Oh yes, yes, so please. Steven Spielberg's adaptation times, yes. of I believe it's Ernest Klein's book. I it know is. Calvin's a huge fan of that. Mm. Um, oh, let's see. Kevin Feige has announced that Ryan Coogler of Creed is confirmed as the director of the upcoming Black Panther movie. We'll have to look forward to. That is quite the get for them. Uh, have you heard about Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut? Yeah, Molly's Game. Molly's Game. Do you know what this is about? Something to do with gambling? Right. This is an incredibly, incredibly intriguing story. Right. This is about Molly Bloom, who was a former Olympic skier hopeful... She had her dreams taken away from her and went and worked in worked as a cocktail waitress, worked her way up the ranks of the CD entertainment world to become the go-to 
poker handler. She ran the poker games that Ben Affleck, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Tobey Maguire used to go to in the back rooms of clubs. Until oh, the FBI shut her down. <laughs> Please tell me that DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, and Ben Affleck are going to turn up as themselves, as themselves. in this. Get, get Brie Larson to play Molly. Done. Oh, God, that would work. Yeah. I would watch that. I don't even care if Brie Larson looks anything like it. Just would. I, I would want Brie Larson. I think that Catherine Waterston might get it, just because of her work on, on Steve Jobs. On Steve Jobs. Yeah. Entirely. But that's the thing, because Aaron Sorkin's ri- was already set to write it. And then and he just, was just like, I'm going to direct it. Hey, screw it, I'll direct it. Why not? It's yeah. about time. It's about time. Yeah. It's it, it overdue. I think he has come close to directing a few things he's, he's come close, but... But hey, he has directed for television, though. He has directed like West Wing episodes, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, the odd one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, right, Michael Lombardo, the head of HBO, has confirmed the Deadwood movie is coming. Mm. That's going to happen. So uh, that's amazing. My aunt Annie's going to be over the moon. That's her favourite <laughs> program. Loves western. She loves uh, what's his name from Justified? Timothy Oliphant. All fantastic. All fantastic. We've not said that name for a while. We haven't. All fantastic. No, all fantastic. <laughs> so you know she's, she's going to be in element yeah. there. Uh, one final bit. This this is intriguing to me. So an actress from the Vampire Diaries, because this seems to be a popular thing this week, uh, named Cat Graham. Uh, apparently, I, I don't watch the show. I don't know about the Vampire Diaries. I think I saw the pilot about seven years ago and then turned okay. it off after about ten minutes. Going, look, I sat through <laughs> one Twilight movie. I'm not doing a TV series. Um, so Cat Graham from the Vampire Diaries has been cast. In the upcoming biopic, All Eyes on Me, and it's eyes with a Z, and this film is the biopic of Tupac Shakur. And oh, Kat, man. I know. Yeah. And guess who Cat Graham's playing? You're going to love You'll never guess. Right? In the life of Tupac Shakur. Who's he, who's is it Jada Pinkett Smith? Damn, how'd you guess that? Because I, I knew there was a bit of a connection. I, I didn't know. Yeah, I, I, I thought I knew relatively knew the two packs. I never knew. I, think it, I thought it might have been like either her or like Lisa Left Eye. No, no, it, it is I'm, it I'm, is straight up. I am down with my early nineties hip hop. I, I will have you know. Are you so. down with your early nineties hip hop? Certainly am. I, I sadly am not. Um, no, I'm down with my early nineties. It's modern hip hop. I'm completely lost on. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, Juan Antonio Bayona has departed as the director of the upcoming sequel to World War Z. Paramount, though, have said that they are still going ahead with it. So we must have someone in the crosshairs. Maybe. And I think that he might be doing the Jurassic World sequel now. Oh, Bayona? Yeah. Because he he originally said no because he was going to be doing this. But because now this has gone over, mm. he might be able I to shift it around. I know development's taken a long time, but after everything with the first movie, you kind of expect it. It just it's part of the course, isn't it? It's just, part of the yeah. course. And the first one turned out pretty good, to be honest. I liked the first one. Mm. But uh, so oh oh Ridley Scott, have you heard this one? What's Ridley Scott rebooting next? He's rebooting The Prisoner. Have you literally just pulled that up on your phone? Uh no, I've seen some additional news. Go on, please tell. And it's not been confirmed, it's just come through. Um but, but it's not Collider. We can trust Collider. Um Aquaman eyes Amber Heard for Queen of Atlantis. Oh Ma- Mera? Hmm. Oh, that could be interesting. Uh, maybe. So, Amber maybe. potentially love interest for Jason Momoa. Yeah. Well, yeah, Mera would be his queen. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's completely true. I just wonder who's going to play his brother, because that's the more interesting character for Aquaman. Oh, I don't know. Who, who do you get to uh, to play the Jeremy Irons to uh, Jason Momoa? Because, you know, treacherous brother. You always got to get Edgar Ramirez. Yes, yes, that would work. Yeah. Also on a weird ethnicity level as well. <laughs> But uh, oh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Darren Aronofsky have confirmed they are working on a drama thriller together. Who with? No, go on, tell me. Javier Bardem really is in talks to be on, be on the project with them. Okay, that, could, mm. that could work. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Well, one final bit then, because I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this one as well. You are spoiling me with film news. I am. This yeah. is the last piece. I just put a lot. You can see on the sheet here. There's a lot. All the, all the non. All the... It's, it's all gold as yeah, well. It's all gold. Yeah. So the, the one I re- I'm really excited about is the new Louis Leterrier movie. Yes. Right, so, yeah, Louis, okay. uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was Louis Leterrier's last movie? Now you see me. I believe so. Well, yeah. Okay. Now I was a big fan of Now You See Me. I was, di- was I. I was, was disappointed I. to find out he wasn't doing the sequel. But yeah, I do have the Blu-ray yeah, next Blu-ray, to the, right we, we are recording it next to the Blu-ray, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there is also, sadly, though, a, a Blu-ray copy of That's My Boy on there. But I'd like to point oh, out that I'm not a fan of That's My Boy. Was was that a free? Was that a freebie? That, that was a freebie. Okay. And uh, it's surprising how many of my, my <laughs> you, You've also got uh, Sharks 3D. I also have Sharknado in there, if you want to get really technical about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, go on. Enough about the Blu-ray library. <laughs> Louis Leterrier. Louis Leterrier, who directed Now You See Me, directed The Incredible Hulk, Incredible directed Hulk. The Clash of the Titans. Uh, Transporter? Uh, yes, yes, yeah, the first Transporter yeah. movie. Um, he now has uh, signed on as the director of an upcoming film called The Fireman. Have you heard of this? I have not. No. This, this is really intriguing. Right, so this is an upcoming horror novel by Joe Hill. Tell me if that name sounds familiar. I don't think not. Not off the top of my head. Right. What, what Just, else has Joe Hill done? That, 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 that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> well, that's irrelevant. That, that's irrelevant. Just when you get a moment, Google a picture of Joe Hill. Right. Just Google a picture of him. Now? And do it now if you like. Oh. Google a picture of Joe this, Hill. This is live Googling and is the right. most uninteresting just, thing. Just, just go on Google Images. You Google an image of Joe Hill. And you see if you know what's interesting about Joe Hill, what little trivia bit you might glean about Joe Hill. Joe Hill, Joe Hill, and we're going on images. Go on images. You see if you can spot it instantly. What's the interesting trivia thing about Joe Hill? Go. Are we there? Are we there? I've I've not got it because there's just a load of like black and white pictures. There are a lot of black and white, yeah. See if you find novelist Joe Hill. That guy. That guy. Can you not tell for the picture what's interesting about him? He's got a fantastic beard. No. No. Okay, well, I'll leave leave it to you, because you're going to kick yourself when you figure it out. Anyway. (laughs) I'm just going to be staring at this man's face. (laughs) Right, so, Joe Hill's upcoming horror novel, The Fireman, which is... uh, This is like set in a world in which there are a, a wave of spontaneous human combustions caused by a spore called Dragon Scale. Ooh. And there is one man called the Fireman, who can control, who is infected himself and can control the fire within, and uses cool. it to protect those who are being persecuted, and you know, protect the innocent, help the helpless, all that. So, and it's going to be directed by Louis Leterrier. I, I think he's always quite a safe pair of hands, isn't it's, he? It's, it's going to be interesting. I think if anyone could handle a project like that, it'd be Louis Leterrier. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes of that one. I think. But uh, so, yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm just disappointed that he's not doing the Now You See Me sequel. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll who, get over it. Who is directing that? You know, I, I actually forget. <laughs> I know it's someone that we, can... we have just been quite reliant on IMDb to. <laughs> we really have, haven't we? We know it's, it's been a really long day. Yes. So, in fact, let's bring that long day to an end. Then here it is: your moment of cage. You know, I can uh, eat a page for hours. 